Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Like, are you ready? So, so I got to be honest. David and Goliath, I think, is a mistold story. I think we've been telling David and Goliath stories wrong our entire lives because we say that David was the underdog. And so we're, we're entering into this crazy time of year. So there's, there's January, there's February, there's Izzo, there's April. It's March Madness. It's March Madness, right? We, we I, I got to be honest, we love March Madness in the Schuler household because crazy things happen in March. Like the underdogs defeat the favored teams. And so, so there are times where, where Michigan State is supposed to be the Goliath, the two seed going up against the 15 seed, and the 15 seed wins? Ugh. Ugh. And then all the Michigan fans cheer, right? Right? Yeah. I'm here for you. Well, for a Michigan State loss, I know you're cheering, Gabby. Right? <laughs> like, but, but we've said our whole lives that there's the Davids and the Goliaths. They... They just go together. And so when the, when the favored team beats up on the little guy, we kind of say, well, that was to be expected. He was so much better. There's no way David could beat Goliath. But I think, I think that's just totally a wrong way of reading the text. And we're going to dive into it today. We're in the section of the story called From Shepherd to King. And we're, we're going through this series because we want to read the Bible. We want to dive into the text. And today, over the course of our time, we're going to go from 1 Samuel 16 all the way to 2 Samuel 10. But we're not going to cover everything in the text. And so if you have questions, we want you to be able to ask those questions. The two ways to do it is to write it on the back of the connection card and drop it in the offering plate. Or you can actually text us 248 248- Two seven four four six seven six, and we will answer those questions this afternoon live on Facebook at 2 p.m. Every time we do this, those videos are preserved, so if you can't watch today at 2, you can always watch later. Already this morning, we've gotten four questions for our Q&A this afternoon about what's going on in the text. And what happens? Saul is rejected as king. Right? Saul had sinned. He didn't follow the commands of the Lord. And so Samuel goes searching for the next king. And Samuel is told by God, go to the house of Jesse. There you will anoint the king. And, and David, throughout scripture, throughout God's word, throughout the Bible, David is referred to as beautiful, as handsome. And so I, I want you to think that if, if David is beautiful and handsome... And the first thing that Samuel says when he sees David's older brother, Eliab, is, oh my, this guy's good looking. How pretty do David's older brothers have to be if he is the runt of the litter? Because throughout scripture, God tells us, man, David is handsome, and yet it's his his older brothers who get called beautiful by Samuel. And this is what God says. He says, do not look on his appearance or his height or his stature because I have rejected him. 
For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And we know this to be true, even in our own lives personally, because my guess for you today is that as you looked in the mirror this morning, there was probably something you struggled with. There was probably something you wish you might have changed. Or maybe, or maybe you've moved past that, but, but appearance and, and how we appear and, and the way that we dress and, and the way that we present ourselves to other people has for a long time been an issue for people. And God says, don't worry about it. I'm not looking at this. Thank you. I'm looking at this. You know, and so I think the text today, the text today is going to teach us that our greatest threats aren't outside, they're inside. Our greatest threats aren't external, they're internal. And this is interesting because we're coming to a, to a piece of scripture, David and Goliath, which should terrify us. 1 Samuel 17.10 says, The Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. We rolled out a banner of what Goliath looks like. And you can see it in the back of the church. He would be that large. He's nine feet, six inches tall. Who among you is brave enough to fight the giant? You want to know what would happen? You'd get crushed. He would just smush you like a bug because he's armored from head to toe. He is equipped for battle. This is what he's been doing his whole life. And so they were afraid. They were terrified. But the thing that I find interesting is that as intimidating as Goliath is, He has a weakness and a flaw which David exposes. Listen to David's response when he's talking with King Saul. David says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David has godly confidence. David knows who is fighting for him. David knows that the battle is not in his hands, but it's in God's hands. And so David is is confident as he goes into it. And he steps up and he takes five smooth stones and a sling. And he faces the giant who's armed from head to toe, who has a, a spear that is as a weaver's beam. And that's the shaft of the spear. And the spear is taller than any of us, even Peter. He is huge. But I was was listening to a talk recently, and it challenged me as I read this scripture. Listen to what Goliath says. Listen to the words that the giant speaks. Goliath says, am I a dog? that you would come to me with sticks. Now this is interesting because David would have had a staff, but he would have had one staff. 
why does Goliath say that he's got two? Now, my eyes work. Um, I don't have contacts. Um, I don't have glasses. But my guess for those of you who, who don't have eyes that work, um, my guess is that if you took your glasses off or if you plucked out your contacts and you looked to the back of the room, if you were holding one stick, it might look like you were holding two. Can Goliath see? Is his vision starting to fail? That he thinks David is coming at him with sticks? And, and listen to, to Goliath's strategy for the battle. This is, this is the way that Goliath is going to fight. He says, come to me. Right? Which one of you want to approach that nine foot six giant in the back room and, and get physical? Not a chance. And but that's how Goliath has fought his whole life. That is the mode of battle that Goliath has been preparing for since he was a boy. I'm a big guy. I will crush you. Come to me. And and David's response is brilliant. He says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you've defiled. That was too high. Also too high. I think this is it. All right, I hit, I hit Jason. David's got better aim than I do. I have not, yeah, I'm not going to reload. <laughs> right? I've got my Nerf gun. I could hit him eventually. But David slings one shot. One shot and he takes down the giant. And, and Malcolm Gladwell, he's, a, he's an author. He's written a book actually talking about underdogs, David and Goliath. He says, I think there's been an overemphasis on the idea that David's victory was improbable. He says, David is smarter than his opponent. He's better armed than his opponent. And he has this extraordinary force in his heart. David is not the underdog. He changes the rules of battle. Goliath came to him as every battle has ever been fought. And David says, I'm coming to you differently. You know, I got to be honest. It was going to be perfect today as I interweaved last night's Michigan-Michigan State game. Because I was going to tell you that basketball's changed, right? It used to be that there was no three-point line in basketball, and so you just get the biggest Goliath you can, you put him right by the basket, you throw the ball to Peter, and then you let Peter put the ball in the hoop. And, and we've seen this throughout history. The, the big guys on the big teams, they win. Wilt Chamberlain, a guy that, that is, is the record holder for points, scored 100 in a game by just dunking over and over. And so last night I was convinced that the team who scored more three pointers was going to win. But they did not. And that's really all I got to say about that. Because March is crazy. But David's not the underdog because he's using the new tool. Same way that 
basketball has changed today because now everyone wants to be Steph Curry shooting it from downtown, you know? And, and we look and we see in this battle, without a doubt, David knew he was going to win. He comes to him equipped and prepared. We know sling, stone, forehead, dead, ground. And then honestly, the verse of scripture that everyone has always skipped over that I had to read as a kid myself was the next verse. Don't skip this. Because David runs over to the Philistine, takes his own sword, and chops off his head. And the entire army flees because their champion is defeated. They've lost because their guy is gone. And yet, I I want you to know, David's, David's greatest threats are not outside of him. They're inside. David's greatest threats are not the, the giants in his life. They're not King Saul, who in other places of the text try to kill David. David's greatest threats are in his heart, just like yours and mine. You know, David is even told at the end of our section today in 2 Samuel seven twelve. these are the words of God to David. He says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up for your offspring after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. God is giving David the promise of our savior, Messiah, Jesus. He's giving the promise of salvation, knowing David would fall and fail, that his sin would overwhelm him, that it's his internal struggle which he faces the most difficulty in. The the truth is that most underdogs lose. But in the story of David and Goliath, David was favored. He had everything on his side but I don't want you to hear me wrongly today. I don't mean to tell you that that all you have to do is stand up against the giants in your life and you'll be victorious. You need to choose your champion wisely. Who is the one fighting your most important battles for you? The battle against sin and death and the power of the devil has been won by your champion, Jesus. The things that you could not escape, Jesus delivers you from. The things you could not overwhelm and which overwhelm you, Jesus rescues you from underneath. Through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, your champion stands victorious over the enemies who would come against you. Jesus says in Matthew 10, he says, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. God is our champion, he's the one in control. And so Paul asks at the end of Romans chapter 8, what then shall we say to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? And your God is for you. He is fighting for you. The victory is won for you. Paul says, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Your victory is won. Your champion is here. Jesus fights for you. Pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you've saved us from sin, death, and the power of the devil, that you've given us a champion in Jesus who is victorious and who reigns. Help us to see his victory and to share his victory, his love, his grace, and his mercy. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.